want to ask you to turn in your Bibles briefly with me this morning. Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. Let's stand as we open God's Word together and look at just about four verses. 24 through 27. Luke 22, 24 through 27. As we talk about biblical manhood in the series of hot potatoes, it's not so much a hot potato in the church, but it is a hot potato in the world in which we live to deal with the subject of biblical manhood and talk about God's call on the life of men to be Christ-like leaders, Christ-like leadership. What does that look like? Jesus explains it the night before he was to be crucified. It says there was also, verse 24 of Luke 22, there was also a dispute among them. This is the disciples as to which of them would be considered the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercised lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as one who serves. Father, we thank you for modeling servant leadership through your son Jesus in this world. I pray that on this Father's Day, all of us who are striving to be the men you've called us to be, the dads and granddads, the influencers in this world, Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand what Christ-like leadership is all about. We pray this in Jesus' name. You can be seated. I've had a great time over the past uh, several months going through the uh, quest for authentic manhood. This is the first time that I've not only had more than one group, we had three different groups that met Wednesday nights, uh, Thursday mornings, and Friday mornings, meeting with men to study God's Word to discover what it means to be the men of God. I shared with one group the legend that was told to a group of ladies a long time ago. The legend says this, that creation story actually was a little bit different than the Genesis account. Like I said, this is a legend, but you might want to hear it, might want to be aware of this anyway. Um, But the story goes that on day six of creation, God created the woman before she created the man. Legend goes on to say that God came to the woman and said, it's not good that you should be alone, and so I am going to create a man for you. This man's going to be a little bit different. He's going to be handsome. He's going to have muscles like you've never seen before. He's going to have this great strength and be able to protect you, and he's going to work hard to provide for you. Not only that, he is going to adore you and think you're the most beautiful thing that he's ever seen in his life. He's going to be very entertaining. He's going to know how to have fun, have a good time. You're going to love this man, but there's only one problem. Man is going to have this thing called an ego. And because of this ego, after this conversation you're going to have to let him always believe that I created man first. (laughs) Well, we know that's just a legend, but at the same time, the aspect of the ego may be right. You know, there's not much question as to whether or not the Scriptures call men to be the spiritual leaders and leaders in the home and leaders in the church. For Bible-believing evangelicals, the question is, how should we lead, dads? In this context, it's a discussion of the kingdom, the kingdom that is to come. 
But remember what Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 discuss in that great Sermon on the Mount. Kingdom principles are to be established in our hearts in this life now. Kingdom principles should be practiced by the Christian family and by the church of the living Lord in this world as a preview of coming attractions of the coming kingdom of God that will one day be established upon the earth. Indeed, God's kingdom is being established in my life and in your life and in the lives of all those who come to faith in Christ. We're part of that kingdom, that eternal kingdom, and we're to live by kingdom principles even in this world. And consider how that spills over from the home into the church in uh, the qualification for the elders in First Timothy chapter 3, as a matter of fact, in order to be a, a, a leader in the church, the men were supposed to be applying kingdom principles at home. So Paul tells Timothy, let's be sure that those who are serving in spiritual leadership in the church also first and foremost manage their households well. Make sure that they're applying kingdom principles in the home before you ever put them in positions of leadership in the church. And so there's a couple of extremes when it comes to this idea of embracing leadership. And in our men's Bible study, we've talked about some of these extremes. But, but the two primary extremes that people will move toward is that men will tend to either acquiesce leadership. They will wax into passivity and not be the leaders that God has called them to be and just kind of have that whatever mentality. The family can do their thing. I'm just kind of here to tag along. Or on the other hand, they embrace the leadership, but they become tyrannical in their Leadership embracing a form of male domination that was never intended by the Scriptures. And so Jesus corrects that mentality and, and this worldly view of authoritarianism or leadership when his disciples are arguing about who's going to be greatest, who's going to be in charge of more things in the coming kingdom. And he gives us the temperaments, I believe, that describe Christ-like leadership. The first one being this, there is a gentleness with his authority. There is a gentleness with his authority. It's something he is to take hold of. There is authority there, but it's gentleness. The fruit of the Spirit, that long list in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, end with gentleness and self-control. Gentleness is the opposite of tyrannical authoritarianism, yet the word gentleman is almost disappeared from our vocabulary in the world today. Gentleness, instead of a tyrannical authoritarianism, which is an embraced abuse or male domination that usually reveals more of the insecurities in the life of a man who exercises such male domination. It, it perverts a biblical doctrine, and the biblical doctrine that is very real is called headship. In Ephesians Chapter 5, in verse 20, verses 22 and 23, the wives are told to submit to their husbands as unto the Lord. And so there's this picture of, of respect and, and fellowship with even inside the home. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 3, the head of every man is Christ, and at the head of the woman is the man. So there is a biblical doctrine of headship. Unfortunately, that doctrine is often perverted to the extreme of male domination and authoritarianism that stifles the spirit and wives and children all across the land. There's a kingdom principle here, though, that's not to be usurped even in the church. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12, Paul says, Timothy, you're not supposed to put ladies 
in positions of spiritual leadership over the men in the house of God. You say, why? Well, he begins to argue because when you come to church, you're not supposed to reverse the roles and responsibilities that I've established in the home. It's not saying that men and women are not equal. They are equal. God created them, male and female, Genesis chapter 1 says, both in his own image, but he gives different roles and responsibilities. And to the man, he has given the responsibility for the spiritual leadership of the home that is to carry over into the church. Uh, there are some that, that reject the idea of spiritual authority at all in the church. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 and verses 17 talk about the responsibility of the pastor to exercise spiritual authority in the church. But there's a certain spirit that he's supposed to lead with, and that is by the Word of God that ultimately Christ is the head of the church, Colossians chapter 1, and the pastor that preaches and teaches according to the Word of God is able to do so with authority if, Hebrews says, his life, his example, follows. And so all of that's important, but what does the pastor or the elder what does that kind of leadership look like in the church? First Peter chapter 5 says that he's to lead not grudgingly, not lording it over the people, not manipulating the people, but the pastor is to lead by example, not by compulsion, but as the people voluntarily follow the directives of the Word of God, the pastor can provide the greatest of spiritual leadership. So the apostles and pastors were to shepherd with gentleness. In the same way, dads... Fathers are to shepherd the hearts of their home, the hearts of their children, guiding and guarding, feeding and loving with gentleness. Ephesians 6, 4, as Brother Terry alluded to just a moment ago, says, Fathers, do not provoke your children unto wrath. You can't browbeat your children into subjection, but you can love them, feed them, not only physically but spiritually, guard them and guide them in such a way that like all of the rest of us, we, we can remember a time when we're growing up that, you know, if there's got to be somebody hanging on to me to keep me from falling or getting in trouble, I'd rather be dad than anybody else. Now, let's face it, we'd all rather be pampered by mom. But if we wanted somebody to, to, to hold on to us, to, to not let us go, boy, we wanted dad to hold on, and, and we believed, you know, that, that philosophy, my dad can beat up your dad, and my dad can tackle anything, that's what we were looking for. And that love and that trust was something dads earned along the way. I was reading some instructions on how to break a horse. And I've never broken a horse. I know Tina's been involved in that process before. And she used to ride equestrian when she was a, a little girl and a teenager. When you break a horse, though, here are the words I keep reading over and over again. Words like leading, build a relationship, let the horse get to know you. Gently guide, gently lower your weight on the horse when it's time to mount the horse. There's a relationship and a gentleness that emerges. But it's amazing, we live in a day and a time where we will show more gentleness in instruction and in leadership and preparation in training an animal, a horse or a dog or something else, and we won't take time to express those same principles of leadership in the life of our own children. There's a gentleness. The, the authority's there, but there's a gentleness in his authority. The next thing you see with Christ-like leadership is there is a greatness in his attitude. See, not only does he say in verse 25, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, 
And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. He says, this is not so among you. Why? We're to practice gentleness. But as we build on that, on the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. What in the world was Jesus talking about with his disciples when he said, if you're going to be great, then you're going to behave as the younger. He who is greatest, let him be as the younger. He's not speaking of immaturity in the home. Sometimes, let's just face it, dads, we can be the most immature one in the home. When mom is saying, don't play ball in the house, don't wrestle in the house, don't break this, and be careful, a lot of times he's talking to dad just as much as he's talking to the kids. He's not talking about a certain level of, of immaturity. We've already got that, right? But he's talking about an attitude of humility. The younger were to give honor and respect to their elders. And what he is saying here, Jesus is saying, listen, among you, I have been as if I'm the younger one. I've been leading in such a way that I have strived to honor and respect those that I lead. And so dads, we're to honor and respect those that we lead. So the disciples would need to know that as they became the apostles in the church, that it would be not position of apostleship that was important, but it would be their character that was important as they honored those around them. As they would learn to honor people, God would give them great influence in the world. Paul tells Timothy and Titus to honor those that you lead. As he describes that in, in Titus chapter 2 and in, in First and Second Timothy, the way they're to treat the other men in the church as elders, the ladies as mothers, the younger ladies as sisters, and the younger men as brothers, there's a certain respect that these apostles who were disciples, as Jesus was speaking to them here, a certain respect that they were supposed to lead with. And this would make for a great attitude. When, when they respected those around them in this way, it would give them such an attitude of greatness that their influence would be great among those who are around them. Now, the churches are flawed. We have all sinned and come short of God's glory, and the church is full of mistakes, called full of people that make mistakes, right? We sin and come short of God's glory. But let's not forget, those of us who are in leadership in the church, the church is not our bride. The church is the bride of Christ. And so we're to show an honor and respect to the bride of Christ. It breaks my heart whenever I gather with other pastors and hear them badmouth their church or talk bad about their church. And, and I want to say, pastors, the church is the bride of Christ. And we're to speak highly of his bride when we're around our colleagues and friends. But in the same way, dads, husbands, 1 Peter 3, 7 says that husbands are to honor their wives. Giving honor to their wife, he says, so that your prayers will not be hindered. In other words, if you're not honoring your wives, men, and the greatest thing that you can ever do for your children is love and honor their mother. If we're not honoring our wives, it cripples us in our prayer lives. It cripples us spiritually. What about the children? Think about the example God set for us. God the Father honored God the Son. Within the God hand, co-equal, co-eternal. Listen, for, uh, when we stand before God, it's not you know the men and the women and the children. We are one in Christ, men, women, and children. Uh, we are all valuable before him, but God puts structure in the home, and he gives us authority with our children. And, and, and that's seen even within the Godhead. God the Son humbled himself and became obedient to God the Father, even to the point of death. There's a picture of organization within the Godhead himself. And God the Father 
shows up on the scene speaking these words when his son was baptized. We're going to have baptism in just a moment. But when his son was baptized, you hear this voice from the Father in heaven saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And he tells his disciples, listen to what he has to say. Our kids need to hear us say, I am pleased with you. I am proud of you. Great job. Just as our wife needs to hear this, our kids need to hear us when we meet others that might be special in our lives say, have you met my wife yet? Have you met my son yet? Have you met my daughter yet? Man, they are great people. I want you to meet my wife. I want you to meet my kids. They are very special to me. We're to honor them. There's a greatness in his attitude in the way that he honors others. He may not be younger, but he is to act like the younger when it, when it comes to giving honor. And third and finally, there is a graciousness in his actions. A graciousness in his actions. We call this servant leadership. He says, on the contrary, back to verse 26, he who is greatest, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. Governors are to be public servants. For who is greater, who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not the one who sits at the table in, in the world's eyes? But Jesus comes back, he says, yet I am among you as the one who serves. I'm the one waiting your table. I'm the one saying, how can I help you? Now, Christ at the Last Supper on this night would take the form of a bondservant and he would wash his disciples' feet and show them an illustration of servanthood, a graciousness in his actions. But that was his life in ministry. Throughout the life and ministry of Jesus, he was always serving others, always placing others first. And so he's asking, who's greater? It's not what the world says. And by the way, Christians should be known as servants around all of those they work and play and live among. They, Christians should always be known as the public servants in that arena. And so we have public servants that we expect a lot out of, but Christians should serve the public servants. Christians should serve the military who is serving them. Christians should serve the waiters and waitresses and others that are serving them. We should always put ourselves in the role of the servant. Graciousness in his actions. Grace, what does grace mean? We're saved by grace through faith in Christ. Grace means treating others better than they deserve. And so we're to be Christians, treating people better than they deserve. And there are going to be times that our families may not picture... In our minds, well, I earned this or I deserve this, but we want to still serve them. That serving may be giving them, our children, as Brother Terry said, the discipline and instruction that they need at the moment or the reward they need at the moment, but we see ourselves as serving and making that happen. It doesn't always mean giving them what they want, but it does always mean serving the best interest of our family. Yes, by working and earning a living to provide, but by being there when they need us to be there. And it's more often than most of us find time for. And I'm like any other dad, I struggle with that. I struggle with finding enough time. And, and here's a bigger struggle than finding the time to be there. The, the bigger struggle, men, for us is being there when we're there. Not just being another warm body in the house, but being emotionally present being spiritually sensitive and alert to the needs. That means sometimes, Pastor Ben, when we pull in that driveway after a long week, 
like you probably did Friday. We pull in that driveway after a, a tough day of ministry or a tough week of work, whatever your week or your day is held for you. And before you get out of the car, you say, Father, I'm tired. But I know my wife is probably tired and emotionally drained too. And so, Father, I ask you for strength and energy from on high so that I can go in and give my family the best of me and not the worst of me. That's what we have to do, man. Our wives, you know, they just sometimes suck it up. They just suck it up and go with it. And, and, and we feel like, well, when we walk in the house, I'm the head of the house. I just want to be treated like King Tut and everything be a-okay, right? And God says, no, you go in and treat them like royalty. Oh, they're going to treat you like royalty, most of you today. But you make a choice to serve them. may mean helping around the house inside or out. And finding time with your kids just to create another memory. In our time together this morning, the college life group, we were talking about different memories with dad that were created. And, and uh, I talked about the, uh, my, my dad might remember the first Braves game we ever went to. It was Dale Murphy Bat Day. And I brought that bat home. Uh, eventually left it out in the rain and it got ruined, but I had that Dale Murphy bat that I got on bat day at the old Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. Take moments, Dad, and create memories with your kids that they will never, ever forget. That's serving and loving, teaching them things that they may never again use in life, like how to skin a squirrel or... um, you know, I learned, I, I told the students, I learned how to ride in the back of a pickup truck on I-85. Well, I can't use that one because it's illegal now, but that's the way we got around when I was, uh, you know, the oldest got in the back of the truck, so the rest of them could all sit in the cab. But, but take time, dads, create some memories, even today, that uh, your kids will always be able to hold on to. Would you bow your heads with me?